It's already happening. What? People are already choosing you over me. I'm in the Facebook group and I'm seeing messages that say Team Ellen. What are you doing? Listen, you have people to contend with. The people of Maine. <laughs> you have so many people that are coming for you. I love you, but I can only love you to a point. Jaw on the table, girl. Jaw on the table. <laughs> hey, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patrick Hines. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? You guys, welcome to episode seven of Disappeared, the podcast where we tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of the ID show Disappeared that covered their case. Girl, where are they? <laughs> I just have one question for you. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Where are they? <laughs> You guys, before we get started, I want to tell you two things. Join our Facebook group. It's called the, um, what is it called? The- it's called, well, our podcast is called Obsessed with Disappeared. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So let's start there. But yeah. it's called the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast Podcast group. discussion yeah. group. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There she is. There's my Thanks, baby girl. girl. <laughs> The other thing, you guys, every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, Ellen and I go live on our Instagram page. It's The Disappeared Pod. We call it Friday Night Live. Friday Night Live. For like half an hour, we just like drink and talk to each other. Ellen yells at me and makes fun of me. We talk about the case, any updates or whatever. So get on the Instagram and join us. It's like my favorite thing that I look forward to every week, girl. Why do you look forward to it the most now, though? Be honest. Because I get to drink and my husband doesn't yell at me. (laughs) (laughs) No, because you have a really cute ring light. Oh, that's true. How cute do I look under this ring light? (laughs) You guys, he loves his ring light. Come say hi to us. We love hearing from people. We love answering your questions. We love engaging. We love hearing what you thought of the episode. And we also just like check in with each other and like have a chat. Truesies. So, girl, disappeared episode seven. It's called Favorite Son Tells the Story of William Smolensky. A fun-loving, hardworking, tough guy vanishes from his close-knit family without a word. It was highly unusual for him to simply just up and leave without telling them, without having phone contact with them. I knew immediately something was wrong. I think he was the type of person that met confrontation head-on. He wouldn't take off for three days. He wouldn't go up north. He, He just wouldn't do that. After exhaustive and sometimes contentious efforts to find him, his family still waits for a break in the case. Then they go and they arrest my wife when she goes in there and tries to ask for help. They book her with five charges. I used to hear his truck pulling up in the middle of the night. You know, just think that I hear it, I come and sleep. It's very hard each day to know that he's out there and we can't lay him to rest. is dead. I don't usually pay that close attention to the trailer because we're going to see it all in the episode. Okay. We learned that the mom gets arrested. Yeah. His mother in her pursuit to find her missing child gets arrested at some point. Any mom who gets arrested defending taking care of doing anything for their child is probably my best friend. Yeah but girl you should also stay out of jail. You got a kid to raise. I know but I'm saying (laughs) if someone messes with my kid I'm going to be on the news. Right. Like that's just that's what's going to happen. Anyway you guys we're going back to Florida. It's Saturday, October 21st, 2004. We're in West Palm, girl. I know. We're always in Florida. Florida. <laughs> act right. Just Florida. It's always Florida. Something around, in, occurring, in. What's going on in Florida? Poor Florida. Like, we have so many listeners from Florida, and they, they get it so rough, you guys. Like, the most of the people who live there aren't crazy, girl. No, I, I'm fully aware. It's just like, is anything going on in Montana? Is there anything going on there? And what about Arizona? I huh? know, girl. A few days 
before he disappears, 31-year-old Billy Smolinski is on a short trip out of town with his girlfriend. So we find out that Billy Smolinski and his girlfriend, Madeline Gleason, I I just... (laughs) Are you okay, girl? Even (laughs) saying her name, you guys. The disparity in age between Billy and girlfriend Madeline, he's 31, she's 15 years older. I don't know what number that is, but it's a lot. Really quickly, do the math. Who cares? It's a lot. Which is also fine. Like, it's also fine unless you're garbage. Billy and Madeline go down to West Palm Beach to visit Madeline's 13-year-old son who is staying with his older brother. Okay, so flag number one. Big red flag. Like, why is your son raising your other son? Girl, why aren't you raising your son? Right. So just really, really keep up with us because we're going to make a scarf out of all these flags that Madeline is (laughs) dropping down, okay? Also, they said that her son is 13, but Madeline also has how many children, do they say? I can't remember. Several. She had been married three times, had several children. (laughs) They just say the word several. How many children is that? Can you ballpark it for me? Are we just rounding up on kids? So there's that. Madeline is is problematic from the start. But we also learned that Billy, sweet Billy, isn't like a traveler. The trip to Florida is a big deal for a homebody like Billy. We used to go on vacation when we were younger. But other than that, Billy hasn't been on vacation in years. So it was big to him. My aunt is like that. She lives in the Bronx. And the first time she came into Manhattan for 22 years was my wedding shower. Wait, what? Yeah, my Auntie Nancy hadn't come into Manhattan from the Bronx for 22 years. True story. Some people just like staying at home. (laughs) Not me. Listen, quarantine is literally a horror movie for me. I have anxiety even just talking about it. I know. You guys, Patrick is so stressed out. He was on my roof the other day and he had to tell himself not to jump off. (laughs) Correction. I was explaining to you that I have this almost debilitating fear of heights and I was explaining that the fear of heights psychologically they say is less a fear of falling and more a fear of jumping which I relate to. I'm sitting there on your roof which by the way is too dangerous for human beings to be on. (laughs) The little ledge that keeps you from going over you guys this is not an exaggeration. I will post a picture in the Facebook group. It comes up about a foot and a half. It does. It comes up to like the knees. (laughs) Okay, so we find out that Billy and Madeline have been dating for a year. They met on the job. They're both school bus drivers. How cute is that? Very cute. And the family essentially lays down. They just say like... You know, he's old enough to kind of do his own thing, but the 15-year difference kind of... I think they're being polite. Both Billy's parents and his friends have mixed feelings about the relationship. He liked her a lot. It was weird because she was so much older, but... He really liked her. I think they're using the 15-year age gap as a way of being like, girl, you sure? Right. You sure? This is the one. I think they just don't like her. And I think, like, just as a as a person, just watching through the TV, I got a vibe from her. I don't like her either. Right. I didn't like her hair, for sure. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but she had been married thrice. She had I know. been married three times. And, and, of course, don't forget about the several children that she had, <laughs> one of which is being raised by one of her other offspring. I mean, the dad, Billy Smoke, Linsky said, she's old enough to be your mother. We used to take the dog walking, and I, I, I asked him, I said, Billy, what are you doing? I mean, she's old enough to be your mother. And I was I, like, eh, <laughs> I mean, not a lot of 15-year-old mothers running around, but sure. Totally. And the mom, I say the mom wins the PC award because she says, there's not much you could say except give your opinion. 
and hope that they take it. You know, she was like, girl, she's got three husbands. She's got several kids. So we learn right at the top, while they're still in Florida, Billy suspects that Madeline has been cheating on him with their boss, the guy who like owns the bus driver company. And you guys, like, they've only been in this relationship for a year. Like, they don't have any kids together. We find out that this is true. Like, she is cheating on him. I don't get it. It's not like they got a bunch of kids. It'd be too hard to figure out who gets the house. Like, why cheat? I don't get it, girl. So I have been cheated on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, when someone is cheating on you, you get that witchy feeling, right? You get that feeling in your gut. And like I always say, when your gut says something, listen to that bitch. (laughs) I mean, mean when your gut says something, listen to that bitch. Okay, not for nothing, but when my ex-boyfriend was cheating on me, that was the skinniest I have ever been. That is the truth. I mean, really, like, you were suffering. That was not okay. I mean, it's it's a traumatic experience. I mean, like, your self-esteem takes a hit. You're embarrassed. Who else knows about this? You blame yourself. I mean, please, I'm going to make a whole separate podcast on being cheated on. I was on. just going to say, girl, can we bring it back to Billy? <laughs> Returning home from Florida on Sunday night, Billy apparently confronts Madeline, and she admits to the affair. Billy is shocked at Madeline's infidelity. And that night, they decide to go their separate ways. When she acknowledges that she's been cheating on him, the narrator goes, Billy was shocked. And I went, no, he wasn't, girl. We, <laughs> Billy knew the whole time. Girl, you're not paying attention. <laughs> the narrator, keep up, girl. Yeah. I said it out loud to myself. He goes, Billy was shocked. And I went, no, sweetheart. No, he wasn't, girl. <laughs> no, Billy was clocking that, right. okay? <laughs> Billy was checking those texts. Billy was stealing her phone when she went to bed. Billy yeah. knew what was up. <laughs> So the next day, Billy meets up with his sister, Paula. Who is fabulous. Yeah. I love Paula so much. At one point, Paula starts to cry and apologizes. I was I like, know. Paula, girl, you're here to talk about your missing brother, girl. It's okay to cry. Oh, she was very sweet. I love her. Um, she pops up a lot. Obviously, something they also mentioned is this is a very tight-knit family. And you do see that. Every person in the family does appear yeah. in the documentary at one point. So we meet the owner of the tow truck company that he also works for Leo Bianchi to which I wrote Leo does not look like a man to be messed with no he certainly (laughs) does not he was getting off his shift he was telling me that he was a little upset about his girlfriend finding out she was seeing another guy and I said Billy let him go you're a good looking kid a lot of fish in the sea. Leo might be a distant cousin of mine. I'm still looking into it on my Ancestry.com. Don't worry about it. I kind of can't figure out how you didn't end up with a towing company. Like, I feel like you would be great at that. I have a cement company. What of it? <laughs> and he says, he told them of the breakup, and he says, well, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea. I know. And he says he's a good-looking kid. I was I like, know. oh, I know. That night, as he's wrapping up his shift, Billy has what appears to be a chance encounter with his close friend, Mary Ellen Noble. At the end of his shift, he had what appears to be a chance encounter with his friend, Mary Ellen Noble. And I went, appears to be, girl? What What do you know? Like, what are you implying here? <laughs> appears to be? She had been dog-sitting his dog, Harley. Yeah, but they bury the lead. Like, they had been in a relationship for eight years. I know. We don't. I, I wrote that later. I wrote, wait, 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 wait. Mary Ellen and him dated for eight years? Something tells me, look, something happened this day on the set in like the voice recording booth. The announcer is behind the story. Yeah. The announcer does not really know the chronology of the events here. Because I'm like, announcer girl, like, are you are you narrating a different episode? He's trying to do two things at once. He's like on his phone. He's like, wait, what? Yeah, no. He was shocked. He was shocked. He wasn't shocked. 
Was he shocked? <laughs> I'm just going to say he was shocked. He was shocked. Billy is shocked at Madeline's infidelity. Because it like, refers to her as the friend, but then we learn that like the parents basically consider her their daughter-in-law. Like, you yeah, guys. They loved her. They thought they were going to get married. So the plan was, while he was in Florida with Crazy Pants Madeline, yeah. Mary Ellen was babysitting the dog Harley back in Connecticut. And he wanted to thank her for watching the dog. Yeah. So he does something that really... Really, really means a lot to me. To thank her, Billy proposes a weekend get-together. He said, I want to take you to Six Flags this weekend for watching Harley. He doesn't send flowers. <laughs> he doesn't take her out to lunch. He says he's going to take her to Six Flags. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. If a man tells me he's taking me to Six Flags, I'm like, we are waking up before the sun comes up. We're getting there when the doors open. I'm getting a fast pass. I'm going to look at the map. I'm going to have a game plan. I'm going to wear comfortable shoes. I'm going to be hydrated. I'm going to eat a funnel cake. If you don't want to go on the roller coasters, you're holding the coats. Let's go. We're in Jumanji. What? Look, if there are any middle-aged men looking for a deranged hot woman today, you now know the way to Ellen's heart. I'm just saying, Six Flags, I'm in. It just seemed like it might have been more of a date than just our normal hanging out. I don't know. I just got that vibe of of that. Mary Ellen, do you think it was the eight-year relationship that made you feel that way, girl? The announcer, who is just woefully misinformed with, about the story, yeah. says that she was dog-sitting. Later on, same announcer tells us they have joint custody of this dog. I know. Ellen, when your ex-husband takes Lola, he's not babysitting her, girl. No. <laughs> it's just her days with her dad. No, I know. And they don't say that to the end. I feel like this poor announcer watched the final episode and was like, you guys, you really did not keep me in the loop. There's like a sports skip-ball game going on, and he's like watching the game while he's in the booth. He's like, what is it? They were dogs. They weren't dogs. They're just... Sorry. So, girl, back me up. The thing that happens next is insane. So Mary Ellen... Sorry, can I take this part? Because it's so bonkers. Go, go, go. Take it. I'm not mad at you. Take it. So... Billy goes home and everyone is saying, like, remember, he just broke up with his girlfriend, had a, quote, seemed like a chance encounter with Mary Ellen on the street. He's now at home and we see him, like, drinking. And the mom is like, he had the whole night to stew about it. And he's, like, thinking and drinking and just hanging out at home. You guys, 5 o'clock in the morning, Billy, who we love. We really love Billy, but, girl, this is weird. Billy actually went to Madeline's home in the early morning hours between 4 and 5 a.m., used a ladder to climb up through her window. You know, I used to sit on the couch and just think what happened there, you know, and I I, I can't figure that one out. He props the ladder against the wall at five in the goddamn morning, climbs the ladder, and just starts staring in the window. Girl, that is not okay. So this was either really romantic or really creepy. No, 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 no. This is the reason they had to say, seemed like maybe it was a chance encounter with Mary Ellen. This guy does some crazy shit. Yes, it is crazy. But what if he was just like, you know, heartbroken and he wanted to like make, I mean, listen, it sounds weird, but one could- It sounds illegal. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm going to make a blanket statement for anyone that like wants to win my heart. Any future person who wants to win my heart. I'm going to say, don't climb up a ladder to my window. I'm just going to throw that out. But we also learned that Billy doesn't know how to use the front door. All the women in his life are like, no, he was hilarious. He couldn't use the front door. He would have to like maybe use a window or the back door. Climb on a shed like he used to in my house. 
that was just Billy's way. He would just enter a house through the window or climb up onto the shed and come in through like the upstairs window. And it's like, Billy girl, what's going on, sweetheart? So he does make it in and they talk for an hour. He essentially says that he wants to get back together and she says she needs more time. I mean, look, from her perspective, and I don't mean any shade with this at all, but like, look, she's 15 years older than him. Like, she's not a spring chicken. You can either date the guy who drives the bus or you can date the guy who owns the company. And I understand where you'd be weighing your decisions there. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> look at saying. that. And there's like no shade to driving a bus at all. Billy seemed like the hardest working. He's got three jobs. Everybody in his life is obsessed with him. Like he's the best, but like she's 15 years older than him. And I think that, you know, if you really look at like the stages of grief, there's the, you know, the denial, the anger, the bargaining. He probably just wasn't ready to let go of the relationship and he was kind of like in the bargaining <laughs> stage. What did I do now? Since we're now in the middle of talking to your future ex-husbands, just want to point out that Ellen has all the stages of grief memorized, you guys. <laughs> Memor- committed to memory. It's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Okay. Um, I'm fine, you guys. I'm fine. Whatever happened at Madeline's, what he does next is not in question. They've documented through phone records that he did make several phone calls. After he leaves Madeline's house, he goes home. And this is where we learn that he makes several calls to the former boss, the one that Madeline is like now dating, and leaves a bunch of threatening messages, which is kind of terrifying. One of the messages, he says, you better watch your back at all times. And listen, have you ever like written a text and it's really strongly worded and you just don't send it? No, I always send them to you. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I didn't I didn't want to pull at that thread in front of, you know, all of the listeners. But no, there are things that you want to say when you're hurt, when you're hurt, when you're angry, all those things, but like don't do it on the phone. I those know. are the things you want to say and you practice it in your shower yeah. and then you throw it away. Yeah. Then you don't say anything. I mean, the conversations and the arguments I have won in my shower yeah. are unparalleled. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Tuesday, August 24th, the day that Billy disappears. Investigators know his last known action is a late afternoon visit to his next door neighbor. After making these threatening phone calls to the former boss, he goes next door at four o'clock in the afternoon to see his neighbor, Roy. He says to Roy, I'm going to go north to look at a car. Can you please watch my dog? I'll be back in three days. Right. He specifies the three days. Now, this is Tuesday the 24th. Yeah. The next day after that, the neighbor whose name is Roy calls Mary Ellen and says, hey, Billy came over and asked me to watch Harley, but he actually didn't leave me the keys to get in. So the dog is in the house and I have no keys. This is where we find out they share custody of Harley. So why on earth would he go to the neighbor and not give it to Mary Ellen before their Six Flags adventure? Listen, it's news to you, me, and the narrator. All of us are like, girl, what? (laughs) The narrator is thrown off. (laughs) I immediately knew something was wrong. It makes no sense at all. After dating for eight years... Mary Ellen and Billy still share joint custody of the dog they own together. He wouldn't let his neighbor watch the dog. He wouldn't trust anybody else but myself to watch Harley. Mary Ellen is saying, like, this doesn't make any sense for, like, a million reasons. Because, number one, remember how Billy doesn't travel? He's also not spontaneous, you guys. And even Mary Ellen says, like, everybody in Billy's life knew where he was at all times. Like, he, if he was going to the grocery store, he would get in the car and call everyone and be like, girl, guess what I'm doing? Very out of character. Yeah. <laughs> Left the house, going to the grocery store. Call you when I get there. This is so crazy. This is so crazy. I Look know. at me. <laughs> but also, like, remember, Mary Ellen and Billy had a date. So Mary Ellen's like... He 
wouldn't just skip town for like three days and not tell me. And also like to go north to buy a car. This is where we also find out that he like loves working on cars, barf. Um, <laughs> and she says he had plenty of cars to work right. on. <laughs> sure. But like, so my thing is like, if this story with Roy the neighbor is true. So remember, the chronology is like he leaves these threatening voicemails on this guy's voicemail. Then he like goes to the neighbor for what seems like an alibi. It seems like Billy is saying like, hey, girl, I'm going to be gone for three days. So if anybody gets murdered in the next three days, it super wasn't me because I was up north looking at a car. Could you watch the dog, please? Right. You know? <laughs> Can you watch the dog? And then, like, something nefarious happens to Billy instead, and he never comes home. Like, he didn't actually leave the guy the keys. He didn't cancel his date with Mary Ellen. I just have, like, Billy, what are you up to, girl? Feeling in her gut that something is very wrong, Mary Ellen contacts Billy's sister, Paula. So Mary right away called me and asked me, where did your brother go? I called my parents right after Mary Ellen called me. We went to the house. I called my mother, and I said, something's not right. Paula's concern escalates into fear, when she sees Billy's truck parked down near the end of his driveway. So this is where they notice that his truck is parked at the end of his driveway. Okay, so I screamed like it was a fucking horror movie when I saw that. Yeah. Because, and and again, it's like my thesis statement about all of this. Everybody who does this shit is bad at it. Like, murderer, if you killed Billy and then drove his truck home and wanted to make it look like nothing happened, why would you park it at the end of the driveway? The dad is like, what's weird about Billy is that he would actually drive the car all the way up into the driveway to make Make himself closest to the home. And I was like, Dad, that's what everybody does. That's what everybody does. I mean, we are creatures of habit. We I mean, are creatures of laziness. Like, why would you be like, what I'm going to do is park at the end of this driveway, carry all the groceries <laughs> all the way across the lawn. Because like, I was just at the grocery store. I already told you that, didn't I? Had a wild day, you guys. It was crazy. Went to the grocery store. So this is where they know something is wrong. And Jan says, essentially, her mother's intuition kicks in. Days have gone by and there's no Billy. So this is crazy. What happens next? Fearing the worst, the Smolinskis go to the Waterbury Police Department. We went right to the police and said, something's wrong here. And they said, well, your neighbor said he went up north for three days. We got to wait to three days. And the cops are like, yes, I know his truck is here. And yes, he never leaves the house. So the idea of him taking a three-day trip on foot is exceptionally bizarre. But because he said he would be gone, he's a grown up. There's nothing we could do until the three days passes. But they make this insane statement and they say, we've since changed that policy. <laughs> we have since changed our policy. We take missing persons reports immediately now. So his sister Paula is like, well, girl, we've got three days before the police are going to do anything. So like, we got to start doing our our own investigation. They go to his house. They search the house up and down. They sleuth it out and they find a receipt from Burger King from 2.59 p.m. And that's essentially the last transaction that takes place with Billy. They then go a step further and they go to that Burger King. You guys, get ready. Get ready. There's going to be a gay banshee screaming three But the surveillance cameras only record the past 24 hours. You guys, I've been screaming about this on True Crime Obsessed for 15 years. The surveillance video tapes over itself every 24 hours. When was the last time you heard of a crime that was committed and then found out about within 24 hours so you could get there in time to get the security? I mean, what is the point? Is it for show? Like, there's a camera here. Great. It has no footage on it. I know. Because it's deleted after 24 hours. Here's the thing. The last point I want to make in this section is that, like, a lot of people are afraid that, like, if they were to die suddenly, like their parents would go to clean out their like apartment and they'd find their porn stash. My horror would be if I died and somebody went to my house and found out that I had just had like a big meal at Burger King. I would be so embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, I would be embarrassed too, but also don't look at the history on my computer. Okay. <laughs> I eat my McDonald's shamefully in secret. Nobody knows. Yeah. 
You better you better get that large fry and you better toss that bag away. That's what happens. They then go to the towing company where he was supposed to be at work at 6 p.m. He, of course, yeah. never shows up. So now we're at Friday night. It has been three days. And they're like, you know, bang, 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 bang. they're like, hey, cops, yeah. it's been three days. Cool. We're here. Sup? Remember my missing son? The unofficial report was made. He was entered into a national database of missing persons. Uh, you know, a description of him was broadcast. That's when the official investigation began into his disappearance. This is the thing that, like, makes me cry every time because, you know, Billy's missing. He's obviously, like, so loved by his community and his family and his friends. And, like, they do a search in the woods. And, like, the, the mom says two to three hundred people showed up. And, you know, his ex-girlfriend and his sister are saying, like, we were, like, dredging the river. We were in the river. Like, we canvassed from sun up to sundown. Like, everybody came out to look for him. And I just have, god damn it, why are people so good? I know. There are good people and you know they they do all the things they check his financial records there's no purchases there's no activity that was suspicious he wasn't on drugs alcohol he had no criminal record Ah, so the media gets a hold of the story. And out come the goddamn psychics. Here come the psychics. (laughs) One of the psychics had called my mother and said Billy is is on the side of the river near railroad tracks um, bleeding he needs to be found within a couple hours or he's gonna die psychics can you goddamn not for five minutes like I totally believe in psychics I totally believe in it I do too I put a post in the Facebook group today because I was like even the police are like not all psychics are bad and I'm like has there actually been cases actually solved by psychic tips and we got this whole thread this whole thread of like cases that have apparently been solved by psychics but like you guys these psychics are calling his mother and his sister being like girl you better get to the woods you just hold on to anything and I can't even imagine that feeling of desperation but it just none of it panned out and they said they fielded loads of psychic calls to the police and I mean it's re-traumatizing the mother Mary Ellen says to us like every time we would get a tip we would literally run back into the woods to see if he was there and every time he wasn't there the mother was just heartbroken all over again one of the psychics is like he's he's in the woods by the railroad tracks and I was like psychics why is there always railroad tracks or bridges what is that girl (laughs) I have not seen a railroad track in a really long time Where are the railroad tracks? (laughs) They search his home for blood. Nothing is found. However, they do search his pickup truck and they find his keys and his wallet. That was a red flag for us as investigators because why would someone leave on their own and leave their wall and keys behind. They sh- it's like shoved all the way under the driver's seat or whatever. And again, I'm thinking people who commit these murders are so stupid. Yeah. Why? Again, I'm glad you're stupid. Get caught. I, like, I hate you. But why would you put that back in the... Why would you do that? Yeah, just bad crime committers. <laughs> Hoping that Billy is still alive but possibly lost or injured in the woods, the Smolinskis contact a volunteer search and rescue group who leads specially trained dogs through woods and fields that he frequented. I cannot imagine anything more terrifying than being, like, lost and confused in the woods. Like, I think about this all the time. Like, in every case, it feels like they're searching the woods. Like, imagine being hurt and, like, in the woods in the middle of the night by yourself. I can't imagine yeah. that. No, it's just, it's so vast and it's so scary. It's and so that's, va- yeah. The forest is so vast, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's 
you could have just ended the sentence with, I just get really upset when people talk about the woods. I don't I mean, like the woods. anything having to do with the woods, even if you were just like not even getting stuck in the woods. You don't like the woods, period. You know, I went on a hike when I was in Hawaii. Did I tell you that? If you guys could see his face right now, it can only be described. <laughs> the- this very morning, my six-year-old daughter looked at me and said, Daddy, I want to go on a hike. And I thought, girl, I thought I knew you, girl. No. <laughs> Poor Daisy. I thought I knew you. Don't you talk to your father like that. Go to your room. (laughs) So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to amp up the crazy. Are we ready? The family does what families do. They make posters. Like missing persons posters. Now, let me just say, posters actually kind of break my heart because I know. you can't really like encompass a person's like life, personality in a piece of paper. So I hate them, but they are necessary. So they get the posters with all the information. They're papering the neighborhood. And his picture, like a picture, like right in the center. And they realize that like, wait a minute, I swore I put a poster there just the other day. And then they drive a little further and they say, I swore. Or I put a poster there the other day. Some of the posters are left on the ground. Others are defaced or mutilated. Billy's face would be cut out or it would say who cares on it. They'd be slashed or spray painted his face out. Anything that you could think of were done to these flyers. Can you imagine you're searching for your missing kid and the parents are like, morning tonight we were out there looking and out there putting up flyers and now they're dealing with this shit being ripped down. So Paula, the sister, and an uncle, they're like, we are getting to the bottom of this bullshit. They stake out one of the signposts where the signs are getting ripped down. Paula tells us that she's in a cemetery with a video camera. Her uncle is in the woods with a video camera so they can capture them from multiple angles. And they're just like, they're sitting there and they're sitting there and then all of a sudden, and you guys, we see it, the video evidence prove it, we see this woman run up to the pole and pull the thing off and run away. When we saw her, we knew exactly who it was. The Smolinskis all believe the woman on the videotape is Billy's ex-girlfriend, Madeline Gleason. It was <laughs> Madeline. You guys, it gets worse. She's not even trying to hide it. But then we meet an actual living dinosaur by the name of John Williams, who is Madeline's lawyer. Not the famous composer for all of the Steven Spielberg movies, I might add. Right, no. An actual grumpy, curmudgeonly right. dinosaur. The Solinskis strongly believe that it was Madeline Gleason ripping down the posters, uh, Miss Gleason denies that. She claims that it was a friend of hers whom she declines to identify who said she has similar hair to her and looks similar to her. The girl that you got in the video, girl, that's not me, you guys. That's my friend who looks exactly like me, girl. I have so many friends that look exactly like me. I have... (laughs) I have so many twins I know. that look exactly like me. But then the family goes to the police, and the police is like, there's nothing that we can do about it. And I was so mad about that. And then I was like, oh, right. Uh, absolutely not. If my daughter goes missing, you better expect I'm coming into your house and I'm wallpapering your front room with missing persons flyers. Everyone better Girl. like wallpaper because Girl. absolutely not. Anything that's being stuck down, I am putting a goddamn flyer down. I live in Midtown Manhattan, sweetheart. We have three rooms all together. Great. You pick which one's the front <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be gorgeous so <laughs> dinosaur john williams says but then were- wait can we just can we think that thought through to the to its logical conclusion because daisy would be like it's yo-ya it's yo-ya daddy why are the walls covered in pictures of yo-ya <laughs> well sweetheart she's been missing for a long time probably dead girl and auntie ellen's a crazy person <laughs> they were targeting the area immediately around where she lived and where she worked They were intentionally trying 
to cause her anguish and pain. So we're back on Dinosaur, and he says they were targeting the area. They were intentionally trying to cause Madeline Gleason anguish and pain. Um, <laughs> so here's my two cents on this. There's definitely more to this story. Like, I think that, like, right from the beginning, everybody assumed that Madeline had something to do with this. Right. And so the family probably was trying to antagonize her. The lawyer tells us at one point, like, they were trying to push her to her breaking point. That's probably true. They, I mean, and I would do the same thing. But, like, for some reason, it feels like this episode is trying to, like, no, the family was just out looking for their missing kid. What? No, like, they probably were trying to make the person that they think did this insane and good on them but also and I agree you're right they probably were aggressive they didn't like her to begin with but like they're trying to find their son they're not trying to assassinate your character right they're trying to do their thing if they gave her pushback I actually don't fucking care because she's trying to say like they don't have a legal standing to post flyers in my town and on my bus route and it's just like girl again everyone is so bad at this if you weren't involved you would be trying to help the family or you wouldn't care right yeah it also just makes me feel that like I mean in her mind she's like I was involved they know I was involved I know they know I was involved but there's no proof so like it like she loved the fight it felt like right and then dinosaur John says something that I actually screamed at he says <laughs> she's just an innocent victim it's, it's just terrible the way people are, are, are going after her I mean how, how would you like it if somebody did that to you and Madeline is an innocent victim I know and I was like John <laughs> I know John needs to go properly fuck all the way off <laughs> Truly. A victim? <laughs> Don't half-ass it, John. Fuck all the way off, girl. Properly. Absolutely. <laughs> so then we see this video. I mean... Oh, my God. The Smolinskis continue to hang posters all over Connecticut, including in Madeline's hometown of Woodbridge. According to Billy's father, they have physical confrontations with Madeline at some of the sites where posters are hung. This car pulls up. It was Madeline's car. And her girlfriend gets up, and she walks right up to the pole... As my wife hung that flyer and turned around to come back, and she ripped it right off the pole and threw it on the ground. Every time my wife would staple that flyer up there, she'd rip it right down and throw it on the ground. You don't actually think it's going to happen because you're like, well, I'm watching this, and it's not actually going to happen. But it's 100% Madeline's car is sitting right in the eye shot, and it's Madeline's friend. So Jan goes, and puts up the poster and crazy bitch goes <laughs> and pulls yes, it yes. down immediately. She doesn't even wait for her to walk away. It really bothered me when I saw it, but I knew it was going to make you crazy. And I literally have in my notes, Ellen, girl, how does this make you feel? But like, also like, just be better. Right. Wait for her to drive off. She's going to drive off. But the point is the fight. Yeah. And I got to say, the mom handles it so well because the mom just stands there. If it were me, I would tackle the person. I would like punch her and then I'd be, don't worry, officer, he's got a video of it so if there's any questions but I'd like that to be public I'd like people to see my form I'd like people to see my cuts my upper cuts Mm -hmm. and lower cuts like no absolutely not so then we find out guys that Billy's mom is arrested for trespassing for hanging posters of her missing son on private property which was a school in Woodbridge which was the town that Madeline lived in I was read my rights fingerprinted mugshot And they gave me my choice of court date. This is a woman that has never been arrested in her life and never would do anything 
to ever even be in that circumstance. And this is so fucking crazy. Like, so again, this is where I'm like, there has to be more to this story. Like, definitely the family was antagonizing her because I'm on the family side, a million percent on the family side. But like, you know, to hang the flyer at the school where Madeline is a bus driver for, and then like whoever makes the decision at the school decided to actually prosecute. Like, someone had to press charges. Right. Like, someone had to press charges. But here's the thing. I mean, we've seen this before. For fuck off. Like, if, 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 if Madeline... You can't even make words. No, but, like, I mean, seeing that, that pressure, I mean, we saw that in the Amy St. Laurent case. They used the media... Totally. ...to pressure a confession. So, you know what? Yes, it was on private property. That should have been a slap on the wrist. She was arrested and put in jail. And then she says, given her pick of court dates, you guys, this thing goes to fucking trial. That was when I was screaming. So then we find out this thing goes to trial at trial, of course. Course, the prosecutor decides to like drop the charges. Can you imagine being that prosecutor? I feel like she's sitting there and like he gets the file and he opens it and he's like, what is this shit? Like, can you imagine? Listen, our court system is overcrowded. Our resources for every state are very slim. People are overworked. They're under, I get it. Trust me. It's for another day, but I understand the court system, <laughs> but they look at it and they're like, seriously, I know. like we're trying this person for trespassing. They throw it out. The charges are dropped. So by the summer of 2006, Billy's been missing for two years. In August of 06, we came to the conclusion that we would exhausted all our avenues in this case. And it appeared more and more likely that Billy Slominski was the victim of foul play. At that point, we contacted the FBI and ask them for their assistance. The family is sort of frustrated with like the lack of of anything the cops have been able to come up with. So they hire a private investigator. But hold on, before you go on to that, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think that's like a classic example of miscommunications that happen in the ranks of social justice. Yeah. Because they were just sort of like doing things, they were misstepping, and they were just sort of passing the buck. It should not have been on their wallet to hire a detective. Yeah, I totally agree. But the private detective gets it done because he puts in a request for like all the police files he gets them and the dad is saying to us like so we're here we are leafing through the police files of my missing child and on page 14 or whatever we find out that he was actually murdered we started going through that and on, on one page it was like page 14 that's when it said how billy was killed the smolinskis are shocked by what they read 10 months earlier an informant had called the Crime Stoppers hotline, claiming that Billy Smolinski was strangled to death by Madeline Gleason's son, Sean Karpiak. You know, we were just like looking at each other and we couldn't believe it. Patrick, cue screen. <laughs> Yeah, what this turns out to be is that six months after he went missing, somebody called into Crime Stoppers and left an anonymous tip that just said that Billy had been murdered by Madeline's son, Sean Karpiak. And they they kind of go into like crazy details. Like we find out that Sean has like a rap sheet. He's been in and out of jail and they could never follow up on this lead because we find out like right after this lead came in, Sean dies of a heroin overdose. We cannot interview him. We cannot get information from him. We can't do 
issue a search warrant of where he lived because he's it's been years since he lived there. But here's what. Yeah. Someone knows something. Of course. Someone always knows something. But we learn here that like all along it had been the working theory of the cops that Madeline's sons were involved in this. Like, right. And they never, I mean, I guess you can't really clue in the family, but like they're telling us now all along we knew that something had happened. They assumed that when Madeline and Billy broke up, there was some sort of altercation between Billy and Madeline's kids. Billy was killed. His body was dumped somewhere. And then the truck was driven back to the house. So Sean, we find out, was working in construction at the time. And they were at the time working of this area where there was essentially four homes. That were being built. That were being built at the time. And we see the homes. And like this is where I was like, Ugh. can you imagine I know. if you like bought one of these fancy houses and you're just at home with your family watching an episode of Disappeared and all of a sudden your house is on the TV and you're like, oh my God, there's a body buried in the basement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's in this one of these like four fancy houses where the cops are saying like, if this story is true and Sean is responsible for Billy's murder, the word on the street was that he dumped the body, buried the body in like one of these, what would have been construction sites at the time. In May of 2007, the Connecticut State Police Major Crime Unit searches the Shelton houses using cadaver dogs. If you're working under the assumption that Mr. Smolinski has been killed and his body has been dumped somewhere, the cadaver dogs are trained to sniff the odor of a, a decomposing body, the odor of a dead body. They do this thing where they tell us that they go through the properties and they like poke holes in the ground. Yeah. And they're, they say they're specifically looking at the driveways. Oh, it's so ghoulish. I don't know what the word is. It's so sad. But like the bottom line is like they turn up nothing. We also searched other areas in Shelton that day with cadaver dogs, but uh, did not find any evidence. They get another tip from somebody else that Billy had been killed and put in some kind of like a metal barrel and dumped on a property that at the time was owned by Sean's friend. And again, Sean is the son of Madeline. So they go and they take tractors and shit and they dig up and we see video of it. Yep. They're like digging all the way down and the family is there and Mary Ellen is like, if I was to go there and they pulled up a barrel and I saw Billy, I, I, would, I would have lost it. I can't handle that at all. They tell us that they dug 21 acres. They dug six feet down within 21 acres. Now, this is in Seymour, Connecticut, and this is the summer of 2008. This is after Billy has been gone for four years. I mean, you should see this video, guys, if you haven't seen it. I mean, they really, really tear this field apart, but nothing came of it. And, you know, like that's kind of the end of it. Like, there's no more leads. The cops are saying, like, you know... We're not discounting any of those search sites. We could go back any time if we if we feel like we have new information or whatever. And, you know, at the time of the taping of the episode, it's four years after Billy went missing. There's no leads and it's still open. So, girl, tell, okay, I know you did your side googing. And you guys, stay tuned to the very end. Ellen and her side googing has literally shocking updates that are not included in this episode. Tell me everything that you learned that was left out of this episode. Okay, a couple things, obviously, since we are looking at episodes episodes that are from a couple years back some things do come into light after so let me just throw a couple of these things out the gentleman by the name of Chad Hansen who was one of the three men that Sean worked with in construction was the one who told them about the barrel he said he himself didn't kill Smolensky but he did help Sean bury the body and that's why they went out to look for him turns out guys it was all a complete 
lie. Why? This guy lied. He went to prison. He served two years in Connecticut prison for making false statements to law enforcement. <gasps> I mean, when you falsify information, the resources that have to be used to follow these leads are financial, they're emotional, and they're extensive. And they're taking it away from like legitimate things they could be doing. Exactly. Wow. We found out, guys, Madeline, her several children were actually five children, and three out of her five children have unfortunately passed away. <gasps> Is that true? Yep. One from suicide, Sean from a heroin overdose, and Tom in 2008, who was drowned in calm waters off the eastern part of Long Island. Oh, my God. And her other son is in prison. So (gasps) beyond that, Madeline went after the Smolenskis on civil charges. For for terrorizing her, she said. Yeah, for targeting her, everything. But essentially, just saying that they made her life a living hell. And you guys, she won. Did she get financial damages? Like, was she actually given money? Judge Coriando concluded that she would receive (gasps) $52,000 in damages. Yeah, so that's a plot twist. I mean, just 16 (laughs) years... It's just, it's crazy. Their son was murdered. The police botched this investigation and they responded by fighting for reform. I mean, they fought all the way up to the Senate. They fought up to the federal law to make, you know, officials respond differently to the reports of missing adults. And then they're vilified for it. I Uh mean, uh it's crazy. There is a website that is currently active. It's called justiceforbilly.com. The four is the number four. So it's Justice for Billy. His mom writes a beautiful poem um, at the beginning called Echoes of Silence. I I honestly can't read it. It's going to bring tears to my eyes. So please um, have a read of that. And the case is still open. All right, you guys, we just got through episode seven, girl. Oh, my Lord. I was so amped up for recording this episode because I was so (laughs) mad on so many levels. I mean, the fact that those parents paid that freaking woman, I I can't. You guys, a couple things to know. So just remember, every Friday night, 6 o'clock Eastern, Ellen and I are going live on our Instagram page. It's The Disappeared Pod. We call it Friday Night Live. We're talking about the episode that came out that week. We're just hanging out. We're drinking. We're hanging out with you guys. Also, join our Facebook page. It's a girl. I can't remember what it's called. Can you say the words? It is Obsessive Disappeared Podcast Discussion Discussion Group. group. (laughs) It's super fun. (laughs) We're in there all the time. Join the group. It's where you're going to find all the announcements and any updates. And it's where we talk about the cases and you know we just hang out with you guys there too I want to tell you guys that you can watch all episodes of Disappeared on ID Go you guys and also the entire first season is there for free for free go there and you can follow us at The Disappeared Pod you can follow Patrick on Instagram at Patrick Hines underscore and you can follow him on Twitter which apparently he's like he thinks he's a big deal on Twitter are you a big deal on Twitter? <laughs> a bigger deal than you again okay <laughs> at Patrick Hines can we get Ellen the swipe up, you guys? Can everyone just follow her to get the swipe up on the Instagram? It's at Ellen Marsh. If, if she gets the swipe up, I swear to God, we'll fill her with vodka. It'll be a bonus episode. 
to remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, 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 and I want to say, you guys, I keep forgetting to say this, and we're going to put it in every episode because he deserves all the credit in the world. We are edited by the incredibly talented Henry Lavoie, who is truly teaching me how to work with an editor. I've never done that before. He's Henry, you better leave in every second of this. He's so talented. He is like getting these episodes done so beautifully. He gets the humor and the sass and the heart of it all. Henry, we're obsessed with you. And also he has to listen to our horrible voices in his ears for hours on end. I'm sorry, Henry. <laughs> and we love you, you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. I love you so much. I love you, girl. Don't go missing, okay, girl? If I go missing, you guys will not hear the end of it. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm going to plaster my own front room with images of your picture. Sure. <laughs> love you. I love you. Bye. Just wait, Henry Higgins. Just wait. Okay. <laughs> Is that the last like really old school Broadway reference we're going to get today, please? Like, yes. I will turn off the Broadway references, I promise. I'm so sorry. That's what happens when I get angry. I line up a line of garbage cans, I light them all on fire, and I sing show tunes, okay? All right. Here we go. Ellen really truly is the loyalist. We got one iTunes review that referred to my like girly voice, which I'm so used to. I've been getting it for years. And so like also like specifically from Ellen who invented that insult. But then when somebody else wrote it, she calls me and she's like, I'm gonna tell her we need to take a walk. An Italian walk. <laughs> I was like, who is this woman? Where is she? Why is she talking? And, and Patrick's like, it's no big deal. I'm like, oh, but it is. I just want to have a talk with her. I just want to have a talk with her. I can call you a girly man, but when somebody else calls you a girly man, I've got a problem with I it. I mean, that's the Italian way. I can make fun of you. That's love. Someone else makes fun of you. You better run 10 paces the other way. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Wait, but what did I text you about this episode earlier today? What did I text you? You said, it's like a series of texts. I'm literally going to find Madeline. Next text. Watch me. Next text. Question one, your hair. Question two, you have several children. Expand on expand on that. Question three, fly your gate. I will die on this mountain. No, but the first text I sent you was prepare ye. And you wrote, oh my God, what? I said, I'm fuming. I'm coming for this Madeline bitch. But wait, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. We're not done yet. Because you actually said... <laughs> You actually said, prepare the. <laughs> and then, next text, ye. <laughs> uh, you sound unhinged in this episode. It's my favorite you I've ever gotten. I love it. Wait, do I sound crazy? <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> what am I going to do here? This is yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to go to the grasslands. We're going to take a walk. One of us isn't coming back. What about it? <laughs> You give me shit for my bad texts all the time. Sometimes I'll text you something like in a fury of rage about something and you would you write back and you're like, you are insane. What is this? And then I read it. And it's just a series of letters. It doesn't yeah. make any <laughs> doesn't sense. Doesn't make any sense. I'm screen capping them and post them. Look for those on the yeah. Instagram page. <laughs> Prepare the... <laughs> The Connecticut Senate voted unanimously to approve new legislation. They, I'm sorry, girl. They they voted what, girl? Unanimously. There you go. What did I say? Oh. Unanimously. I, I said I did. <laughs> I'm not even filled with vodka today. Um, <laughs> the Connecticut Senate voted unanimously to approve. Did I do it again? No. Okay. I just love that you to pointed out to our listeners that you're not filled with vodka today. <laughs> He filled me with vodka. <laughs> <laughs>